Well, of course, today is Super Bowl Sunday, right? Yep. So let's just go ahead and get this out of the way because every pastor in America is doing it. Any Patriot fans for the night? All of you must be from Boston, right? Welcome to Northern Virginia where sports are terrible. But anyway, um, <clears throat> any Eagles fans tonight? Any of you like, I don't care, I'm just waiting for Justin Timberlake? All right. Well, let me just go ahead and tell you how it's going to end so you can just go to bed early. Eagles are going to be up by five. Patriots are going to get the ball. Tom Brady and his man Uggs are going to take his team down the field about 90 yards. With about a minute and a half left, he's going to throw a touchdown pass to somebody we've never even heard of. And they're going to win the game, right? I mean, we know this is the way it plays out every single time. That's what amazes me, though, uh, about the Patriots. I mean, except for their coach and quarterback, all the other players seem to change. And it seems like every time it's somebody you've never even heard of, and yet they still win. And that's why so many of us hate the Patriots. <laughs> but I tell you what, if the Patriots call and said, I want you to play on our team, I'm there in a heartbeat. <laughs> because they know how to win. You know, sometimes we, we think about sports specifically, and we always talk about what it's like to win. And again, here in the, the Washington, D.C. area, I know if you're a Washington, D.C. fan, sports fan, you don't know what winning really looks like because you're not used to those things, except for the Nationals. But again, there's, there's always the playoffs. But anyway, um, we don't know how to win sometimes. But there are teams like the Patriots that do. And, and here's the deal. Sometimes we forget that what we get to be a part of here in this place, the church, is one of the best teams to be on in the whole wide world. A team that always, always wins. Over the past few weeks, the staff has been going through a book written by Jim Putnam. Jim is a pastor up in Idaho, and he wrote a book called Church is a Team Sport. Let me, let me read to you what he wrote at the very beginning of the book. He said, I see the church as the Lord's team. The opponent of the church is the devil. The playing field is the earth. The players are the people. The leaders are the coaches. As I read the scriptures, I see team everywhere. Teams have a common purpose. They run the same play at the same time and work together in their respective positions. I think sometimes we forget that the church is a team. That we have a common goal. And that if we work together as one, the impact that we can have is way bigger than anything that you or I could ever imagine. And the cool part is, no matter what, the church always, always wins. Today we finish up the series called Christian Atheists. And over the past few weeks we've been using the statement, I believe in God, but. The premise behind this series is that 89% of people who live in America say they believe in God. But yet if we look at lives, we, we live like that doesn't matter to us. Like that doesn't mean anything to us. And so over the past few weeks, we've been looking at these different topics connected to that statement. And, and today our topic, I think, is one that's very personal because it's about us. I believe in God, but not in God's church. See, I think we have forgotten the importance of the church. We've forgotten the power behind this team. And yet if we look in the New Testament, we, we find that, that the church is called the Bride of Christ. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a pretty intimate relationship that's there. And, and so if the church is the Bride of Christ, that must mean that the church is pretty important to God. And in fact, we know it is. 
the power of the church is the ability to impact lives. It is the way, the method that God came up with to tell people about the story of Jesus. And, and yet we say, I believe in God, but not so much in God's church. Now, how did we get to this point? Well, I think part of it is, is how we define the church, how we view the church. We talked about this a little bit back in the fall in one of our, our series. Uh, a lot of times we, we view the church or we define the church by other people's experiences and what we hear from them. Uh, you know, they'll say, this was my experience at this particular church or it's something we'll read online or, or some news story that we'll see. And so we'll take other people's information and we'll say, ah, oh, well, if that's true, then the church must not be what the church is supposed to be. So I, I'll believe in God, but I don't want anything to do with the church or I'm not going to fully participate with the church. For others of us, it's our experiences. It's the church you grew up in. It's the church that you went to down the road. I mean, these people didn't care about lost people. They didn't care about people that were far from God. What did they care about? They would fight over the color of the tile in the bathroom. And maybe you were a part of a church like that. And so our experiences are something that keep us, keep us from, from fully being a part of the church. I've told you before, I grew up in a pastor's home. I, my dad became a pastor right when I was born, right after I was born. That's the only life I've really ever known. But I didn't want to be a pastor when I was in high school or college. And the reason was pretty simple. It was because of the people in the church. And I watched so many times as they would bite my dad, figuratively. Sometimes it felt like literally. I mean, they would go after my dad and things that were happening at church. I'm like, man, I don't want anything to do with that. Of course, God had other plans for me. And that's okay. But at the same time, it's our experiences many times that we use to define the church. And so we'll say, I believe in God, but, but I don't believe really in the church. But this morning, I want to take it a step farther. Because I think there's something deeper at play within the church. And, and this morning, when I'm talking about the church, please understand, I'm talking about the, the church globally, okay? I'm talking about the church all over the world, specifically in America, but I think one of the issues that we find when it comes to the church, that our struggles with the church are our expectations. We have certain expectations, desires, and wants in the church. And if the church doesn't meet those things, and, and let me say, most of the time it's not theological. It's, it's uh, the methods that we use. People will hold back from being fully participating within the church setting, a part of the team. Uh, think about it like this. Um, do you like going to a nice restaurant, maybe a, a nice hotel, uh, maybe you get to go on a resort, to, to a resort someplace with your family? There's nothing better than that, right? Why? You've got guest privileges there. And what happens in those settings? Man, people just take care of you. They feed you. They bring you more food. They bring you drinks. They ask if you need any help. They'll take you places wherever you want to go. They'll clean up after you. You go to a really nice hotel and you'll leave that morning and the place is a mess. You come back, everything's in order, isn't it? And your bed's made. And there on the pillow, there's some chocolates. And then there on your bed, you've got this origami towel that you've tried to recreate, but it must be black magic because there's some way that they've made that elephant. You don't know how they've done it, but it's there. And you're like, don't sleep on the bed because we want to mess the elephant up. But this is the way we're used to. We, we go to these places. We go to events. We go to a restaurant, hotel. And so we have these guest privileges there. My fear within the American church is that we've gotten to a place of thinking that the church is all about me. That it's my expectations. It should live up to my desires and my wants. And when we get to that place within the church, we're not a team anymore. 
that we become individuals, that we have our opinions, and, and if the church doesn't give us what we want based on my expectations or my opinions, then I'm going to hold back. Now, sometimes that means I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to be a part of what's happening. Other times, and I've had this experience before at our last church, uh, a family said, hey, this is what we want the church to look like and to do, and if you do that, we're going to give to you. And not only that, but we're going to bring people to be a part of this church. And I can honestly tell you as a pastor, sometimes that's pretty tempting. Like, hey, maybe this isn't the right place for you. Because that's not what the church is about. The church is bigger than that. The church is bigger than our expectations. It's bigger than having guest privileges. It's about being one. We find a great example of this in 1 Corinthians If you have your Bible, you can turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we are going to be. There's some Bibles underneath the seats. You can grab those if you can see. Uh, We're going to put it up here on the screen. You can follow along on your Journey Church app or your program this morning. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting with verse 12, here's what Paul writes. Paul says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Paul is writing this letter to a church that he planted in the city called Corinth. And I don't know how much you know about this particular church. If you want to read through 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, or if you've read through it before, um, let's just be honest, they were jacked up right? This was one messy church. Their relationships were jacked up. Stuff was jacked up. Their theology was jacked up. This church was really messy. But, but the bigger issue that Paul saw was all this stuff was happening because, because they weren't working together. And so Paul uses this metaphor. He says, hey, the church is like a body. He's like, the body's got all these different parts, feet, hands, arms, eyes, ears, everything inside, and all these body parts are together, and they form one body. Paul's saying, hey, guess what? The church is just like the body. There's all these different parts, all these different people with different gifts and abilities, and you know what? It's all one body. Look at verse 15. Paul says, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an ear, or excuse me, an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Paul is not known to be a very humorous guy, all right? I mean, his personality is pretty straightforward, type A. And um, I think this is a moment where he's actually trying to be funny, and it's a little bit of humor he throws into the situation here. Because he says, hey, think about this. What if one body part mutinied? Like, what if your foot's like, I'm out. Guys, I've tried to work in this environment. It's just not working for me. I'm out. I'm moving on. Paul's like, that's not the way the body works. That body part is stuck to you. It's a part of who you are. Or then he says, what if you're just an eye, you're an ear, or or you're a hand? And that's just the whole body. That's what the whole body is. That's one ugly group of people, right? (laughs) But, But what if we were? We might be able to see really well because we're an eye, but we can't hear what's happening around us. We might be able to hear really well because we have ears, but, but we're not going to be able to smell anything like those dangerous odors if you have middle school boys. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the body has to have all these different parts together for it to function the way that it's supposed to function. 
That's how it's created. Look at verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Again, God created the body to work together with all these different parts. And it's the exact same thing with the church. Different parts, but all working together. Look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving great honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. When I was uh, in high school, I played baseball uh, during the summer, and um, one of the, the days I was playing, I was playing first base. Ball was hit to the left side of the infield, a, a shortstop, third baseman got it. Well, he threw the ball to me, except he didn't throw it to me, he threw it away from me. And so I had to stretch to get it. Well, I had to stretch towards home plate. And, and when I did that, as the ball was getting there, the runner was coming toward me. And when the ball hit, the runner hit my hand, my glove hand. I could tell at that moment something wasn't quite right, but of course, you know, being a guy, wanted to be macho, I kept playing in the game. But when I got finished, I thought, man, something's not right with my hand. So I told my parents, we went to the ER, they did an x-ray, and to come to find out, I had broken my, my pinky finger. Now I'm thinking in my mind, it's just a pinky. I mean, this thing's not that important. It doesn't do anything. Have you ever tried to tie your shoe with a broken pinky finger? It's really, really hard to do. See, we don't realize the importance of the body parts until they're not there or until they're not functioning the way they should. And if you've ever broken a bone or experienced something like that, you know how hard it can be for the body to function the way it's supposed to. Paul's like, look, there's so many different parts here. They all have to work together. And in fact, he says, everybody has a role to play. In the church today, what we have done, we've categorized roles. And many times people will look at me and are like, hey, you're the lead pastor, Chapman. You're more important than everybody else in this room. Can I please, please tell you this? I am not, okay? Do I carry more responsibility than most people? Yes, but that's totally different. That's why I ask you not to call me Pastor Chad. Because I think when you put that term in front of my name, all of a sudden it kind of elevates me. That's why I just want to be Chad, because I want to be just like everybody else in this room. Because I believe that's the way the church is supposed to function. And so my role me, Chad, I'm not any better than the people that are greeting when you walked in this morning. I'm not any better than them. And the greeters, they're not more important than the people in the nursery. Although probably nursery people, we can put up a couple of levels because they change diapers. <laughs> yeah. So they're probably at the top of the food chain here. Honestly, they're not. But the nursery workers, they're not better than the people that work out and make our garden every single year. Like We're all in this together. We're all the same. We all have roles to play, but there's no one that's more important than anyone else. And Paul is trying to make that point to this church there in Corinth. And then he says this in verse 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. That's one of my favorite lines. It means we do life together. That means we cry together. When there's loss or hurt and pain in someone's life, we cry with them. 
And then we celebrate with people too. When good things are happening in their life, when there's new birth, when there's new life through baptism, when there's, when there's hope, when there's overcoming that takes place, guess what? We celebrate together. And this is true for any church. I don't care if you're 10 people or you're 10,000. That's the way the church is supposed to act and respond. We cry together. We celebrate together. We do life together. And then Paul says these words. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Paul says the church, it's the body of Christ. It's the bride of Christ. And every single person that is a part of the church has a role to play, has a part in it. And if we understand that, and if we live that out, the impact that we can have, again, is bigger than anything we could ever hope for or imagine. But again, Paul says, you need to remember that. Don't forget this one thing. Sounds good, right? In fact, it sounds great, but I think too many times... Those of us that are followers of Christ, we've forgotten to be one. We bring in our, our own thoughts and ideas and expectations in the church. And in fact, the church in America, I think, has become very consumeristic. We've gotten to the place where we're so self-absorbed because we're so used to people waiting on us in all these different ways that, that we're at this place now where when we come to church, that's our expectation. Our expectation is when we walk into church, somebody else is going to clean it up. How many times have you walked around, and I do this only because I am here quite a bit, but I like to see if there's trash on the ground. Now, I didn't place any trash on the ground. I thought about placing some around and see if anybody picked it up today, but I decided not to do that. But anyway, um, do you pick up trash, or do you expect someone else to clean it up after you? Or even when we're finished today, as you walk out, I know there's all these, these trash bins, and you see it's full. Do you just look at it like, hey, somebody else is going to take care of that and leave because you think you're more important than someone else? That's not how the church functions. That's not how the church is supposed to work. I, I know that may sound trivial to you. It's like, it's trash. Yeah, it is. It's trash. But how we function as one, as we function together in our roles, says so much about the church. And more importantly, it says so much about God. It says so much about our faith. Because we are called to work together as one. And yet many times, followers of Christ, we act like we have guest privileges. So my challenge for us today is what if we changed our focus? What, what if we changed that mentality in the church and we stopped being guest? And we saw ourselves as something much more than that. We saw ourselves as part of this body, part of this team. What would that look like? Uh, now let me say a couple things right here. First, if you're a guest here and this is your first Sunday or you've been here a few times, you're trying this for five weeks, here's the deal. You're a guest. You do have guest privileges. You can take advantage of anybody in this place that you want to, all right? You can say, hey, go get me a cup of coffee, and they should go get you a cup of coffee. Tell them what you want in. It's totally fine. You don't need to pick up the trash. You are a guest. Now, I know some of you may be trying this out, and you're like, hey, sounds like there might be some issues in this church. There's not, okay? I can promise you this is a challenge for every church in America and maybe even globally. That we sometimes as Christians, we, we get complacent. And, and we look at the church and we just think it's there to serve me. Well, it's not. And, and so, again, there aren't issues here, but this is a challenge for us as a church. And so here's what I want to throw out to you. If you've been here over six months, if you've been here six years, if you've been here 30 years, 
and you're not a part of this church, you're not fully participating and serving and helping other people in some way, shape, or form, you're not allowing us to be the body that God has created us to be. And I challenge you today to change that, to be a part of this team, to be a part of this body, because when we do this together, God does amazing, amazing things, even more amazing than we've already experienced here at The Journey. So I invite you to be a part of that, to see yourself as a part of the team. Uh, let me explain it this way. Um, one of my favorite restaurants is here in Springfield, uh, Mike's American Grill. Some of you may enjoy Mike's, some of you may not. That's beside the point. I'm right and you're wrong. But um, <laughs> part of it is nostalgia. My, my wife grew up here, and so when I would come to visit her before we got married, her family would always take us to Mike's, and so there was that connection there. But there's two other parts about Mike's that I really love. One's the food. I've never had a bad meal there. I've eaten there quite a bit, but I've never had a bad meal there. Maybe you have. Now, I do have one gripe with their food, and um, it has to go back to a dessert they used to have called hurricane cake. Anybody here remember that? Yeah, that was some good stuff. That was like chocolate goodness all over the place. But yet somebody said, hey, hurricane cake with all the chocolate or key lime pie? We'll go with key lime pie. Terrible decision. I hope they fired that person. They don't have hurricane cake there anymore. That's my one gripe with the food. Here's the thing I love about Mike's, their service. Like the first time I went there, I, I thought, this isn't like the North Carolina barbecue joint at the corner in the little town I grew up in at all. Now that food's good too, but it's a little bit different. And the people, this is weird. Like not the same person takes care of you the whole time. And so you're there and the person who takes your order may not be the person who refills your drinks. And the person who drops off your, your check or to, to give you the tab may not be the person who takes it, may not be the person who brings it back. And, and the person who brings you those Aussie rolls, man, they always get an extra tip from me. <laughs> yes. Can I get an amen? There we go. Those little, like, they're almost donuts. And then you take that butter and you just put it on, it just melts off. And you, uh, if you've never been there, just go for those, okay? Also, hey, little secret, if you ask for it, they'll give you a little box and put some Aussie rolls in it with the butter and you can take it home. There you go. A little, that's for free today. Um, but the way they work together is amazing. Now, I know they have an organizational chart there, but they don't act like it. The person who's managing that evening, they might, might, the chance of them bringing you a drink is just like the person who's actually waiting on your table. They see themselves as a team, as a group of people working together for this common goal. And you know what? I, I look at that place and every time I go in there, I think to myself, this is exactly what the church is supposed to look like. When you and I and the church and the people in it, when we're working together as one, as a body, as a team. And when we do that in this setting, God does incredible and amazing things. But do we understand that? The church isn't about selfish desires. The church is about servant desires. Think about that for a moment. The church isn't about selfish desires. The church is about servant desires. And yet too many times for us, even as followers of Christ, we get into this habit of seeing the church as something that's all about me. And it's not. The church is about serving that person who's sitting right beside you that you do know. It's also about serving that person in front of you that you don't know. 
It's about serving our kids. It's about serving our teenagers. It's about serving in our community. That's what the church is about. It's about serving your neighbors. Look, the church is not about selfish desires. It's about servant desires. And I think so many times people will stay away from the church because you know what they think the church is? It's full of selfish people. It's not full of servants. And God has called us to be servants to each other. And look, when we do that, I'm going to keep saying this, God will do even more incredible things. Maybe you're here this morning and your question is, well, I'm a guest. What does that look like for me? I already told you. Your, your next step is you've got guest privileges. Enjoy it. Suck it in. Soap it in. Soak it in. That's what I was trying to say. Suck it in. <laughs> soak it in. I'm thinking about mics. I still got that on my mind right now. But soak it in. Enjoy that. You've got those privileges. But, but then for others of us that are here, here's the deal. You've been a part of this church for a while. We want you to jump in. Join this team. Be a part of this body. Because if you are a follower of Christ, it's what you're called to do. And we challenge you to be a part of that. What does that look like? Well, this morning when you sat down, you saw some of these, right? You, if you didn't, you sat on it. But um, the Journey Kids Classifieds. If you were here last week, you saw these. You're thinking, oh, this is just the same, same needs that they have. No, it's not. These are a couple of different areas that we, we have some help in. Last week, eight people were like, hey, we want to help. Guess what? I'd love to see 30 people say today, hey, I want to help. And I know, here's, my, here's what I always hear about children's ministry. One is, I don't like kids. Okay, and I, and I get that. But, you know, one's, I, I don't have any skills or abilities. We don't care. You know, Jesus' disciples, they had no skills or abilities. What did he do? He taught them. He coached them. He got them to a place where they could serve. It's the same here. We have a coaching system in place and teachers in place to get you to that place. Man, I'd love for those ladies to say, hey, we got 30 people signed up today. What are we supposed to do with them? You're going to find roles for them. I don't care what it looks like. Make it happen. Because this is what the church is about. It's about serving our kids. It's about serving our teenagers. Our teenagers would love to see more volunteers jump in. You're like, hey, I, I don't really like teenagers, but I was a teenager one time. Great, you've got all the experience you need. <laughs> jump in, serve. Sound, video, communion, greeters. It's not that we have holes here. This is what the church is like. This is what it's about. It's why we invite you to be a part of our outreach team and to serve in our community. Because that's what the church is truly about. It's not about our selfish desires. It's about servant desires. And so jump in and be a part of this. If you filled these out, you can put them in our offering baskets during our communion time. But, but let me throw this out there to you too. We have a couple of people here who volunteer at Journey who are part of our children's minister ministry. And um, they really struggle with faith. I just know their stories from being around them. In fact, some of them, I, I wouldn't call them atheists, but they're probably agnostic. But you know what? They've been a part of the journey for a while. They come with their spouse, and here's what they've said. I'm struggling with my faith, but can I serve? And you know what we said? No. <laughs> we didn't say no. We said yes. Yes. Because you have a heart to serve. And when people who are far from God are struggling with faith understand what it means to serve, and yet so many times followers of Jesus were like, I'm not going to, that's beneath me. Man, we've, we've lost. But this is a team that wins. This is a group of people, a body together that wins together, that works together as one. And again, God does amazing things through that. Here's what I truly believe. Those individuals, and I don't think any of them are here this weekend, so I can say this, but um, 
I believe God's going to work in their lives in amazing ways because they're serving other people. And at some point in time, they're going to say, not only am I in to serve, but I'm, I'm in to follow Christ. That's why we do what we do. And so I invite you to jump in and to serve, to be a part of this team. And then for others of you, I just want to say thank you. Your next step is thank you for being here. Some of you, you not only do one thing, you do five things. Here's what I want you to do. Stop. Don't do five things anymore. I want you to find somebody and grab them like, hey, I'm doing five things. I only need to do four right now. I need you to come with me. I'm going to show you what this looks like to do. That's what discipleship is. We take someone else and we show them a role. That's what coaching is. Make that happen. Again, God will do amazing things if we do that. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think there's any other hope in this world other than the church. I believe that's why we exist. I believe that's why we're here. I believe that's why Jesus started that with Peter and his disciples a couple thousand years ago. Because Jesus understood the church is the hope of the world. The sad part is many times as followers of Christ, we don't understand that. And yet we are. And my invitation, my challenge to us is to jump in. Skilled, unskilled, I don't care. Gifts, abilities or not, I, I don't care. Because we are the body of Christ. We are one. And we are a team. And when we function and we work together, God will use us in amazing ways. And I, this church is already doing some pretty cool things. But I truly believe if we even come together even even better than we are, God will use us and challenge us, have some risks for us to take that will be so powerful. It will change our lives. It will change this community. And again, it will change the world, not just for a moment, but for all eternity. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. And we invite you to be a part of that. As we head into our communion time this morning, there's one thing that we need to understand is the one thing that binds all of this together is Jesus. I love what Jesus says in John 17, 20. He says, my, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Look, this isn't about being a great church. This isn't about trying to be better than the church down the road. This is about eternity. And when you and I work together, we lead people to eternity as one. That excites me, and I hope it excites you too. And so we invite you to jump into that and to be a part of that.